Tuwala ya kadakika masuga katona Omusinze kubanga sunny day Kubanga sunny day Yaba watenereze watu kusinza mkama kubango sunny Ndoli wabo inza Tunakugulumizange na kuzona kubanga kwe Kwe mkama, kwe mnene, kwe mkuru, kwe wabo inza Osani desebo Ogulumizi wenge na kuzona mkama Tukweba za kabaka ulokutuguliranga kasera Ogujanga maso go Tuwashe no kuli ejigambo chumukama Chitanga takuwa o Guna magezi gafeno kumanya kwa fetu kutegele Tweyongele biebu zibibi wakatonda Sobolo kutambula nawe na kuzonezo bula mubu wafe Mkristo Yesu mnazari sabiye Amen Bless you Before you take your seats You have a minute to say hello to somebody next to you Give somebody high five or just say hello Weeks. We've been sharing about a certain gentleman who started like a nobody. His name is called Gideon. Called of God. And yet he thought that he was unable to, to fulfill the call. At the end of the day, he did great things for the kingdom and he became a mighty man of war he didn't finish so well nevertheless he made it it's only Jesus who finishes the best at the peak 100% glory to God and we covered a little bit about the uh, priesthood. And now today, there's some little thing that the Lord has given to me. It's called the call. Hallelujah. The call. So just in case you are here. We always have books because this is a class. We always have a pen somewhere. We don't trust so much our heads. Amen. So, at the call, oh, the call. What is a call? A call is like you are doing your business. Business. You, you're just walking. You're on your way to Kauku. And then you hear from behind and somebody's calling you. Shamba boy! Shamba boy! And then you turn. No chuka. And then he beckons you. He calls you. That's what I call the call. So you are on your own, you're doing your business, you're doing your issues, your daily calls. And then he calls you. I went to Kauku to buy sugar. He has called me. When he calls me, number one, I'm no longer in charge now. Now I'm not in charge because I've been called. I don't know where we're going. The one who has called me knows where we're going. I don't. Now I'm following him. And I become his slave. So we, we, at, at the call, we become his slave. Uh, we don't necessarily be, take his place. Uh, because we, we don't know as yet what we're going to be. The Bible says. That's what the Bible says. But at least we know what we are now. Because we are his slaves. Before we get to what we want us to make us. We are his slaves. 
So at the call, you have to get these ideas right. Get the things in your mind right. Number one, you know more free or carefree. You don't live a carefree life or a careless life. You don't just live anyhow. Why? Because there's a call on your life. You're no more irresponsible in your talk. You're careful with what you say. You don't involve yourself in irresponsible talks. That you don't say whatever you comes on your lips. That whatever comes through your head to the lips, back. Not anymore. Why? Because there is a call on your life. You begin to know that your life affects others. Your life now after he has called you Shamba boy! You have decided to turn. There's a difference between turning and non-turning. He can call and you don't turn. You go do your business. It's a different case. Not the people that we're talking about now. It's not the people that are here this evening. So, whoever is before me, there is a call on your life. So now that there is a call on your life, you begin to know that your life affects others. Number three, which number is that now? Number three, number four? Number four, that you are at a vantage point. It's somehow higher lifted the place where you are so you can easily be identified. Like they say these days like that you are a yellow chicken in the others. Glory to God. So you can easily be identified. So at the point where you are, know that they are watching. Praise the Lord. That whatever, whatever you do is noticed by these three. Number one, heaven. Number one, by hell. Number three by the people. So you are at a vantage point. A that you can easily be seen. Because your life is not your own anymore. You can't afford to talk irresponsible talk. Neither can you allow careless living. Because you don't belong to yourself anymore. You are somebody's slave. Tell your neighbor somebody's slave. So you don't know, you don't do what you want. Neither do you do what you desire to do. You are somebody's slave. Praise the Lord. Another point is that you don't just get away with it. No, you don't just get away with it. That you live a double life and you get away with it. As long as he has called you, somehow they will find you 
If I live a double life as Mubiru, I can do it for a, for, for a time. But eventually they will find out. And they shout it on the top of the houses. Why? Why? Because there is a call on your life. And the last one is that you live now for a purpose and for a cause. So you don't just live far like somebody said. <laughs> you don't just live far anyhow. You live for a purpose and for a cause. One gentleman said, when they were at the battlefront, they were saying, why are you here? Why, why have you left all those sheep? They were asking David. And David said, isn't there a cause? Isn't there a cause? That's first Samuel chapter number 17. That's number 29. Isn't there a cause? There is a cause for you behaving the way you're behaving now. Praise the Lord. Why? Because there is a call on your life. So at the call, you don't just live far. Praise the Lord. Just turn to, the, to your neighbor and say to, to the neighbor that you can't just live far. <laughs> Glory. <laughs> Do you know what it means? Living far. It's living bit and pango. With no purpose. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, the call. We want to check in the scriptures now. In the book of Philippians. The book of Philippians is right before Genesis and after Revelation. That, that means not in the book. <laughs> so it's in the, it's the New Testament. Philippians, our Philippi, Philippians, our Philippi Satu, on Yiriwa Kuminasatu. Philippians chapter 3, verse, let's begin with verse number 7. This verse wants to begin with 13. <laughs> what does the Bible say? Are, are, you, are you there? Are you there? 3.7 the Bible says but what things were gained to me we'll interpret together but what things were gained to me these I have counted loss for Christ this is Paul speaking there are certain things that were dear to his life before the call before accepting Christ before coming face to face with the Messiah he hold them dear to himself but the Bible says Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. I was waiting for the interpreter. Do we have our Bibles, all of us? Do you have a Uganda Bible, please? 
So the Bible says, but what things were gained to me? Bible gained to me and to every year. These I have counted loss for Christ. So can you imagine somebody who thought that he was gaining in what he was doing? That it was a success in his life. But now he's counting losses. What does it mean? It means that the call upon our lives it demands crossing the line. It demands crossing the line. Make, making a decision. Because now Paul has decided in his heart. He has realized that those things were dear by that time. But now, it's a loss. They're not dear anymore. The Bible says in 8 that yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. He's counting the cost. If you are to become omutango. Somebody was, if you are to leave the call on your life, you must count the cost. Here is Paul. We see his mind. He's, he's doing accounts. And he has realized that it demands counting the cost if you are to leave the call. He's saying, let's do the math. Or the accounts. It sounds like he has is having a balance sheet in his life. He's seeing gains and losses. And he's seeing where his heart is falling. Now, you have to sit down by yourself if you are to leave the call on your life, the call of God on your life. Count the cost. Count the things that were before you by then, before the call, and now, what do you see? How do you count those things? How do you value those things? Are they still seducing you in a way? That you are missing them a lot? That you are living in this life and driving this side of the road? But still your eyes just having an eye on the other side. Saying, oh. that, that, that was nice, the other side. That was nice. Oh, I, mi I missed that. Are you driving in the things of the kingdom and then you are seeing certain things on the other path? Dark powers and darker world. The world before you became a Christian. They're enticing you. Oh, have you counted the cost? Sat down on, the, on your bedside. I said, look at how I wasted my time. In pubs and all spending overnights in those ingenuas and uh, Every every noise. How you spent your night? You spent your money. You one ma in the pocket. When you come with one million in your pocket, by the time it's morning, six o'clock in the morning, it's a hole in the pocket. You even don't know where you're going now. So, 
Do you reject all things or you still have a hangover? Pose. Paolo Nagamba. Account the cost. And this is what I found out. It was a waste of time. It was a loss. I wasted my time. Oh, I wish I knew Christ much earlier. This, this is what Paul is saying. Praise, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So, in essence, he's saying that when you are being called by the Lord, the call demands your attention. It's either you look there with attentive eyes. Or you don't and you live your life. And just go, you live your own life. There's nothing in between. Praise the Lord. And I was seeing in 8 and 9. It says, the last bit of, of 8, it says, For whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ. So he's seeing what he was doing in, in the past. He calls it rubbish. What do, you, what do you call what you lived in the past? What, what is your posture? How do you see them? Are they magnetic in a way that they are still... Drawing is sometimes you feel <laughs> oh they are rubbish like Paul said. You know, rubbish doesn't smell good, does it? You feel, oh, let me get out of this place. Support this rubbish here. So whatever, whatever you see them, whatever you see, you feel is rubbish. Or you feel this honey. My God, I miss that thing. <laughs> Not for Paul. He says, now I know what I thought was wonderful is rubbish now. Praise the Lord. Because now I've gained Christ. What I have now Compared what I had then, the other is rubbish. Do you see rubbish in your past? If you are to maintain the call of God in your life, we must reach that point of seeing those things as ra ra. Somebody say, law. Not rabbit. They're not rabbits. Tell your neighbor, they're not rabbits. Don't rear them in your home. <laughs> Hallelujah. Paul said that they're rubbish. So in, in 9, the Bible says. I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. Okay. So the righteousness which was by the law, rubbish to Paul rubbish to us. Because it's not taking us anywhere. But our only righteousness is through faith in Christ Jesus. Which is from God by faith. Glory to God. In ten, the Bible says that I may know him and 
Mumanye. And the power of his resurrection. And the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. So his desire now, he has new goals now. He's pursuing Christ now. In 10 and 11, we see. In 10, he says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. So that's a man who is pursuing God. That's his desire. He's seeking the Lord. He has a new lifestyle, a new desire, a new goal now. So at the call, we get new goals. What is your goal now? Now that the Lord has called you to ministry. Now the Lord has called you into this new life. What is your new goal? Put up some goals like, like we see Paul. Praise the Lord. Another goal he has. He's pursuing eternal life. He says... If by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. He desires that resurrection from the dead. So he's pursuing eternal life. What are we pursuing? Now the Lord has called us. Praise the Lord. We must be pursuing something. Paul was pursuing God, pursuing eternal life. What is at your table? What is in front of your eyes? What are you pursuing? Every day when you wake up, what is in that driving you? These are checks in, your, in one's life. You don't have to answer anyone. But just sit down on your bed. Relax. Breathe in, breathe out. And think about the things. Praise the Lord. Verse 12, the Bible says, Not that I have already attained, or I'm already perfected, but I press on. I press on that I may lay hold of that which, for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Praise the Lord. This gentleman is saying he is pressing on. He keeps uh, he, he knows what keeps what he keeps him on track. He wants to stay in his land. He doesn't want to be distracted. Because one thing he knows there is a call on his life. When you have a call on your life you live differently. You are not like everybody else. You don't just fit in. You are completely different. We may have the same skin, the same smell, the same scent, but different, completely different. Praise the Lord. Bible says, brethren, in 13, I do not count myself to have apprehended. But one thing I do, Forgetting those things which are behind. He's forgetting them stuff that are behind. That's the thing that is keeping him on track. Still pursuing. He's not comfortable with his achievements. He's still pursuing God. He wants transformation in his life. He wants good changes in his life, in his career, in his perception, in the way he sees things. Has changes in his life. So he's pursuing God. He's relentless. 
Sigenda kusitula na vino vina kafuna wo. Praise the Lord. He's reaching forward. Agenda ugenzi maso. things that are ahead. In 14, the Bible says, I press towards the goal for the price of the up, upward call of God in Christ Jesus. King James Version says, that I press towards the mark for the, for the price of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Praise the Lord. The guy is pressing on towards the mark. He talks of the high calling of God. Meaning that our call is not a regular call. It's not an ordinary call. I call it an ego call. If you're an ego, you can't stay around vultures anymore. Are you getting it? If you're an ego, you don't stay around vultures. You know the vultures, they eat carcasses. Dead stuff. Smelly stuff. But not so for the eagles. Vultures, they take opportunities. Opportunities for dead stuff. Somebody has killed staff gets an opportunity. So when you have a call on your life, you are not an opportunist. You don't feed on others. You don't use people. You don't take opportunities on other people. Yeah. Just like our pastor here can stand and say, Mama Connie, I see the Lord is telling me. Mama Connie, Give a million shillings. Later, million yen simbi. Two million shillings. <laughs> and forgets the wife. <laughs> do, I, do you understand what I'm saying? That a voucher is an opportunist. It takes advantage over others. But, but we, are, we, are, we are egos. We fly higher. We catch our own prey. Praise the Lord. And again, because we have an ego call, we don't live among chickens anymore. We don't live with chickens. You know what chickens do? The chicken around, of course. They only chicken around. <laughs> they don't go far. They live around. They, they, that's their life. They don't see bigger pictures. We are egos. Tell your neighbor you are an ego. Stop living with the chicken. The chicken are those people that don't see nothing. They, they don't see nothing in anybody. They don't see nothing in any ministry. They don't see nothing in any minister. They don't see nothing in the Bible. They don't see nothing. Because the chicken, they focus on the ground. They see that. They see, they see worms. When a chicken comes here, say, oh, 
Baina mainja. Hei, babira wabotia. Mujitendi echo. Hei, ujibaikire kanisa. Babira mufufu. That's a chicken. But egos, we don't see this dart anymore. <laughs> we see it, but we don't see it. Because we live way, way up. Up above. By the time a chicken realizes that we are there, we'll already be there. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. It's coming. So number 15, the Bible says, Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. In other words, Paul is saying, if we are mature in the things of the kingdom, we have to change our mind. Our mindset. Have a different mindset. Have the mind of Christ in you. Praise the Lord. So we are seeing Paul here. He's telling us about the call. But how did this guy get here? How did he get here? He's talking of great things. Things to invest in the kingdom. His focus, that he's, he's, he's running, he's, he's, he's staying in his lane. He's, he's focused on to the kingdom. He's, he's focused on to God. How did he get into the things? He's talking of the high calling. He's forgetting about the, oh, the past and he's focusing forward. How did Paul get to this stage? Let's go from his calling. In the book of Acts. The book of Acts. Chapter number 9. Today we are reading the Bible. Praise the Lord. All along you've been escaping to reading the Bible. <laughs> now here we are. Praise the Lord. So, Acts chapter number 9. Verse number 13. I'm just changing my version. Verse number one. The Bible says, Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest. He requested the letters addressed to the synagogue in, in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in the arrest of the followers of the way. He found there. Are you interpreting? He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. As he was approaching Damascus on, on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, So, so, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? So, so answered. So asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now, let, now get up and go into the city and you'll be told what you must do. The men with, with Saul stood speechless, for they heard the sound of someone's voice, but saw no one. Eight. 
Saul picked himself up off the ground. This is the conversion of Paul. He's, he's meeting Christ. Saul picked himself up on the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. He remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink. Now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision calling, Ananias, yes, Lord, he replied. The Lord said, go over to Straight Street to the house of Judas. When you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He's praying to me right now. I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. But Lord, exclaimed Ananias, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. And he's authorized by the leading priest to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. But the Lord said, go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings, as well as to the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias went and found Saul and laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord said, who appeared to you on the road, uh, Brother Saul, the Lord, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road, has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. Afterwards, he ate some food and regained his strength. So in Damascus and Jerusalem, Saul stayed with the believers in Damascus for a few days. And immediately he began preaching about Jesus in the synagogues, saying he's indeed the son of God. Hallelujah. All who heard him were amazed. Isn't this the, man, the same man who caused such devastation among Jesus' followers in Jerusalem? They asked. And didn't he come here to arrest them? Now he's arrested himself. And take them in chains to the leading priests? Saul's preaching became more and more powerful, and the Jews in Damascus could not refute his proofs that Jesus was indeed the Messiah. After a while, some of the Jews plotted together to kill him, said to kill him. They were watching for him day and night at the city gates so they could murder him. But Saul was told about their plot. So during the night, some of the other believers lowered him in a larger basket through an opening in the city wall. When Saul arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to meet with the believers, but they were all afraid of him. Can you imagine? They did not believe he had truly become a believer. Then Barnabas threw him, brought him to the apostles and told them how Saul had seen the Lord on the way to Damascus and how the Lord had spoken to Saul. He also told them that Saul had preached boldly in the name of Jesus in Damascus. So Saul stayed with the apostles and went around, all around Jerusalem with them, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. He debated with some Greek-speaking Jews, but they tried to murder him. How many times? This is the second time. When the believers heard about this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him away to Tarsus, his hometown. So now they're throwing him back to Tarsus. So, <laughs> 31, the Bible says, the church then had peace throughout Judea, Galilee, Samaria, and it became, it became stronger as the believers lived in the fear of the Lord and with the encouragement of the Holy Spirit 
it also grew in numbers. Hallelujah. That was a long read. But this is Paul's conversion. You see how terrible he was. His mission averted when he meets Jesus Christ. And now he joins the believers. Now everyone doesn't believe that he's a believer now. They are skeptical. And the non-believers they want to kill him. Because for them now they believe that he's a believer. But the believer don't believe that he's a believer. Can you imagine that? But the outsiders want to kill him because he is now a believer. So he keeps on surviving and keeps on running away. This is the poor that is encouraging the believers in in the book of in the first book that we've read. Philip. So now we, we're wondering how did he get to this point? From, from a guy who's just surviving, running, running away from others, is rejected by his colleagues. And now eventually he's sent away to Tassas. Because every city they want to kill him. They say, do you know what? Where is this guy born? Tassas. Tassas we go. They send him back to Tassas. So he stays there for a time. He's just been converted. A new believer. He doesn't have anyone to encourage him apart from Barnabas. And now while in Tarsus, there's something that happens to him. He stays a little bit in Jerusalem, but still he goes, he's, he's, he goes to Tarsus. So what happens when he's there? How does his transformation happen? Praise the Lord. Let's read another version, another, another, another book. The book of Galatians. Are you picking anything from this reading? The book of Galatians, chapter number one. In Acts 9, he's just a survivor. He's running away. Like a runaway slayer. And now we sing in Galatians chapter number 1. In his own letter, he writes these words. He says, verse 1, the Bible says, Galatians 1.1, Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through men, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. And all brethren who are with me to the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Verse 6, the Bible says, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of, of Christ to a different gospel. Now he's amazed at the Galatians. That they are easily swept away from the grace. See, oh, how is it possible that you are you, you, you're easily tripped? Paul is wondering how, how, how I marvel at your life. Turn away from to another gospel. Seven says, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you. Who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even, but even if we or an angel from heaven 
preach another gospel to you than what, than what we have preached to you, let him be a curse. It says there's no other gospel. What we preach to you when we came was the true gospel. Don't, don't be deceived by other doctrines. How, how come you easily be deceived? Bible says, as we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches another gospel to you, let him be a curse. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? So what we seeing in Paul's life, his focus was not to please men. But God. That was his strength. That changed his life. He was not a man pleaser. He didn't care what you thought. He didn't care what you think of Paul, of, of him. He didn't give a damn. He didn't mind. He was not a man pleaser. So we are seeing. What became of Paul? What made him tick? From, From a timid man who is running away for his life. To now an encourager. Somebody who is amazed. That others failed to stick to Jesus. Is now amazed. How do you do such things? Can you imagine Paul speaking like that? You know, what did you say? He's saying, my focus is not to please men, but God. My primary purpose in life is to please God. What is your primary purpose? In this your calling. Now that you found yourself in Christ, now that you are a leader, what is your primary purpose? Do you want to please men? Oh God. What is your focus? What is your purpose in life? Someone who has a call on your life. Paul has said, Pleasing man, no. I first please God. In the process of pleasing God, I can end up pleasing man. But my focus is God. Praise the Lord. He knew that those who are faithful don't seek to please men but to approve themselves to God. Praise the Lord. In heaven, the Bible says, but I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached to by me is not according to man. In other words, he says, my call it's not a man called. He knew that he wasn't following man but Christ. Praise the Lord. Who are you following? If you are following the preacher before you, 
When he makes a dash into the pub, he just follow suit. Because of the Chambata. The mother is ahead and the kids are just following. Praise the Lord. So who are you following? Are you following Christ? Or are you following your pastor? Who are you following? Before you follow me, before you follow your pastor, follow Christ. Follow Christ. That's what that's the strength of Paul. That's why Paul is not fainting. That's not that's why he's not failing in his ways. That's why he's not discouraged. That's why he's the encourager. That's why he's amazed that many people are falling away. See so what what did you follow from the from day number one? That's what Paul is asking. Verse number 12 of the Bible says, For I neither received it from man, the gospel, nor was I taught it, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. In essence, he's saying that how to develop a relationship with Christ. There was a connection between him and Christ. He knew that the great end of any minister is to bring men to God and unto the men of God. So we don't bring men to the men of God, but to God. Are you listening to me? So you're not here to bring men to men, women to men, women to women. We bring everyone to God. To God. All of us. Praise the Lord. But first, but first, you must have yourself an encounter with Christ. Praise the Lord. As you continue down, he says, I advanced in Judaism beyond men of my contemporaries in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went to Arabia and, and returned again to Damascus. So Paul, when he received the gospel, he had a personal encounter with Christ. He keeps on walking with Christ. We've seen him when he wanted to go to Jerusalem. He wanted to be killed. Everywhere he went, he wanted to be killed. He was rejected by his, his colleagues, his friends. But now he says, he's telling us a secret that when I receive this gospel from Christ, this I didn't decide it. I didn't connect with men. I didn't consult to men. Get ideas from men. But I went to God. I took time by myself. He says I went to Arabia. Why Arabia? That's where we begin from. Praise the Lord. 
if you didn't understand anything, this is what I was saying. <laughs> for Christ. Not for any man. The call of God upon your life is for you to find your place in Christ. What you're called to do, the demands on the kingdom, you're not going to receive information from men and confirmations mainly from men. You can receive those, but you need a separation. You need a relationship between you and your God, the one who has called you. Mighty God of grace, we give you praise, Lord. Even as we check our lives, Lord, according to the call upon our lives, Lord, we desire to know you each passing day in a better way, Lord. May you reveal your son in us, O Lord, so that we may know the purpose of our living, the reason and cause for why we are here, O God. Give us that reason, O Lord, so that we may stick to you forever and ever, O God, because now we know that there is a a special thing upon our lives, something special in our lives, Lord, that we are completely different from other people, Lord, that we are foreigners, strangers in this, in this land. We are aliens. We are not ordinary people, Lord. We have a call upon our lives, oh Lord. We've been bound by the price. Lord, my God, we are your vessels. We are your slaves. Give us the revelation that we may know that we are not our own. We don't belong to ourselves, but we are your slaves. We are your slaves. We give you praise even as we leave this place, Lord. Give us grace and understanding of these things that we're giving to us, O oh Lord, in this time. We give you praise. We honor you. In Jesus' name.